Greetings and a very warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and I'm your host, Etienne McClintock. By the Word of Their Testimony is based on Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, where we read, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. By the Word of Their Testimony is not scripted, and in the studio today we have a special guest, Dwayne Suffolk. Dwayne, welcome. Thank you. Very nice to have you here in our Morissette studios. We look forward to hearing your story and how God has worked in your life. And we pray, listener, that you will be blessed by the testimony of Dwayne Suffolk. So, Dwayne, let's uh, maybe start just if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing. Yeah, thanks, Etienne. At the moment, I'm studying fourth year theology and okay. ministry at Avondale College here in Kurumbong. I've got four daughters and a wife. And um, trying to bring them up at this as well at the same Concise time. Size family, yeah, yeah, outnumbered five to one. Five to one, yeah. <laughs> no, they're good. They're great. Excellent. Um, yeah, they they give back what, what I put in, so yes, they're a joy. Obviously, human nature gets in there and causes some issues at times, and um, God's been blessing through this. Wonderful. I think it's also uh, the evangelist Philip that had four daughters, and I think some of them prophesied. They were prophetesses. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens there. They're, they're a bit young for <laughs> sure, that yet. Sure. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> oh, well, that's a real blessing. Well, obviously a lot has happened from the time you were born till now that you're actually a fourth-year theology student. But perhaps we can start back and go back to the very beginning, you know, your origins, where you were born, your family influences and so on. Yeah, I was born to Seventh-day Adventist parents. Okay. I'm my father's first generation. Um, my mother is, I'm not sure how many generation, but a few. I spent my youth uh, growing up on a farm mm. in Warrella in North New South Wales, which is just in Lismore. And um, I spent my whole childhood up until I was about 20 uh, on that one farm, going to the local schools and to the local church. I, I enjoyed it. It's kind of hard now to go to the city because um, I, I love the country. And mm. it, was, it was a real blessing to be able to just have this freedom to ride motorbikes and shoot things and muck around as a kid sure. does on the farm. And um, So you were brought up with a bit of an adventurous lifestyle. But, you know, I, I always say that you can tell the difference between someone that was raised on a farm or in the country versus someone raised in the city. There's a, there's a restfulness typically that you see more in people from the mm-hmm. country than you do in the city because the city is so fast-paced and it's so busy, you know, and it's just a different lifestyle. So a real blessing that you had the privilege of growing up on a farm for 20 years, you were saying. Yeah. Mm. And I had two older brothers, but they were four and five years older than me. So okay. there was no real sibling rivalry there, but mm. I was almost like a, a only child in a sense, yet I had my brothers, so there was yes. qu- quite a gap there. Yeah, just growing up, I uh, went to church as you do if your parents are going to church. Mm. And grew up just what I thought was just a typical childhood and yeah. nothing out of the ordinary. You um, you had positive Christian influences and I guess role models in your parents who were both Christian and that. Uh, were there any secular influences at that time as well or was it all mainly just, you know, 
like you're in the presence of God continually. Yeah, there wasn't a great deal of spirituality mm. in my upbringing. There wasn't really any morning and evening worships or devotionals, no. nothing like that. So you guys were committed to, you know, one day a week, basically. So on Sabbath, you'll have yeah. keep Sabbath and you'll go to church. But during the rest of the week, everybody's so busy, there wasn't really much time for any like, yeah. Bible study or devotion or evening and morning worship, like, you, like you're saying. Yeah. So my mm. parents were hardworking. Mm. They, they were working a lot. And um, so come Saturday or well, Friday evening, we kept the Sabbath from Friday evening to Saturday evening. Yes. Um, sundown. And... During this time, there was a lot of don'ts, and it was fairly boring for okay. me. Um, so freedoms for six days a week, but then a lot of don'ts on the seventh day, basically. Yeah, that was basically it. Yeah. And I guess that'll be a fairly common story for a lot of people. You know, there's not a lot of spiritual influences. So when it comes to one day a week in seven, where you've got to now become spiritual, of course, you haven't been trained for the whole week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it'll be difficult, and I can actually relate to that. Yeah. So yeah, apart from that. Yes, my parents were spiritual. Sure. My mother especially. She was of strong faith. Mm. Um, being brought up uh, as a Seventh-day Adventist. And she had that character that was just um, peaceful, loving, mm. serving continually. And that really rubbed off on me. Okay. But So she had a personal devotional life. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was reflected in her life. Mm. Um, but they were very busy. And that's just... Um, that allowed for the TV to spend a lot of time bringing me up. Okay. You could say, um, I, I spent a lot of hours in front of the TV, secular mm. TV, you know, mm. come back home from school and you just sometimes just sit in front of the TV. If I didn't have my motorbike going, that was it. Right. Um, so that was basically, th- there's a lot of influence in the TV, um, from the TV for children and I don't think a lot of parents realize that that mm. there is so much information that we absorb from it and that um, sets us up for the future and what's going to happen there and that that was mine sure upbringing. Uh, I can relate to that as well I had a lot of TV influences was there anything else in your life that may have had an influence in regards to well could be for good or for bad during those first 20 years on the farm yeah, friends and school. I went to a secular school. Okay. I went to a well, Seventh-day Adventist school when I was younger. Mm. I was flunking out. I was going to repeat. So my parents pulled me out of there, and it was quite a blessing in a sense. Yes. Even though it's a bad thing to be pulled out of a Seventh-day Adventist school. <laughs> but I was placed into a local small state school. Okay. There was only about 45-odd students at the school. In the whole school? In the whole okay. primary school. Mm. This situation, this atmosphere was more conducive to learning. Okay. And I didn't flunk out. I, um, year three, I passed. Year four, I, I, I came up to speed and I was fine. There was a lot of, you could say, again, negative um, secular influences. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of my time in the later years of my primary school listening to all sorts of things like heavy rock. And I'd often go to bed going to sleep listening to the radio and all sorts of not-so-wonderful music. <laughs> Um, because my friends, they were um, heavily into the rock music and mm. those sorts of things. So they just, they'd copy stuff, give it to me, and I'd listen to it as a kid. Yeah, that was another major influence on my life there. Okay, I understand. So in regards to, you know, listening to this music a lot, even when you're going to sleep and that, do you th- see that stuff as neutral in regards to a Christian experience, or you think it uh, might take you the other way? No, I think a lot of it was negative. Mm. Um, yeah, Sepulcher, ACDC... Guns and Roses, all those sorts of things. Oh, okay. They're they're not really 
Christian in much of a sense mm -hmm. at all. I think I was fortunate not to have full, uh, I wasn't listening to Megadeth or those sorts of things okay. or Black Sabbath, those sorts of things, mm. but there was still on that side mm. and um, that was quite a negative influence. So in my upbringing, there was nothing really that stopped me from doing anything wrong apart from the fear of consequences. Okay. And this music did nothing for me to help me in that sense either. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a drummer. I grew up playing drums as well. Okay. So I was playing this music as well. Music was a big thing in primary school for me and mm -hmm. playing this sort of music as well. It was very ingrained in my life, the, sure. this sort of music. Is there anything else that's relevant to your testimony? The influence from my grandfather... He was a coal porter. I could see there was... Grandfather's on your mum's side? On my mum's side, yes. yep. He was quite an influence, but he died when I was fairly young. Something always stuck with me. He, he said, I can't see how the Lord's going to come any later than 1997 or 1998. Jesus is going to return. When I was younger, this sort of stuck with me. So this mm. is the other side of my life. There's two sure. sides. It's funny when you're young, it's very easy to be in one situation to be one person and mm. to be another situation to be another person. Yes. There was a church side of me which did all the right things. And then mm -hmm. there's the other side of me, the out-of-church side did, of me. Did what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, um, but one thing that was key, my grandfather saying, Jesus is coming again soon. Mm. And I was like, at the time I wasn't spiritual. Mm. But I thought, I mean, I want to have a wife and have kids. Before right. This could cramp your, uh, your plans. This is going to cramp my plans. I'll only be 17 in 1997, so right. this, is, this is not good. The Lord didn't come, obviously. No, well, so and, a couple of decades beyond that, uh, that date yeah. now. So, yeah. But it was very carnal, selfish. Mm. I want to have my life. I didn't really know God. You know? Sure. But this stuck with me, this idea that, well, the Lord's going to come. Okay, what's, where do I go with this? Mm. I had this faith and this desire to live the, a worldly life or a life of sin. It wasn't until 1997 when I went to a Bible study with some people from church. I was invited, my brother was going, and I was invited to this Bible study. And the thing is, they were studying prophecy. Okay. And this is the key pivot point in my life. Mm. This is where I've gone and realized, I was excited this time when we went to this um, Bible study. I was like, wow, these prophecies are telling about God and this is there's this truth there and, and there's all these things that are going to happen and we can see in, in the Bible that they're going to happen. And then I got out of the Bible study, like we, we left that day, I hopped in the car. The reality fell on me like a ton of bricks mm. that I wasn't living a life that showed that I was saved or I wasn't saved. Okay. This reality of, well, okay, if the Bible's real, the Bible's not a fairy tale, I'm going to be held accountable for my life. Right. And this... um floored me and this was all based on the study of prophecy yes mm. it was amazing how it it hit me as just like well i believe now that the bible's real but believing means there's there's a change that's um, has to happen mm. i can't just live this worldly life um and it's two-faced life really. right and i had foot to make a camps. change i yeah. can't yeah i can't let a foot in both camps yeah. i had to make a decision so I thought, well, well, okay, I've been told that this is the, we have the truth or that Seventh-day Adventist Church has the truth. Okay, mm. well, I'm in the right place. And so you, you accepted that based on upbringing and what people had told you or yeah. based through a study of the Bible that you... At, at that time, it was, it was what people had told me. Okay. I hadn't understood it for myself. Sure. So I had the wrong thing to say. Well, it was the right thing to say, but the wrong un reason why I said sure. it. Sure, okay. I, I'd gone, this is 
the Seventh-day Adventists hold the truth, but without the understanding of why they hold the truth. That's right. Okay. And that came over years of study. Right. Okay. Beyond that. So prophecy was actually very powerful in influencing you and, and convincing you that there was a God. Yes. Yeah, that reminds me of that text in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10, where it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. And then verse 10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time things that are not yet done. So God is the only one that can do that. You know, my, my story is very similar to yours, that I was actually convinced that there was a God simply through prophecy. Yep. God says, test me in these things, you know. And even Isaiah 41 from about verse 21 there, it actually God puts a wager out between him and false religions, between him and false gods, saying, can they prophesy? Can they tell what's going to happen in the, in the future? Can they even tell what's happened in the past? And can they tell what the outcome of those things were that were in the past? Mm. We're going to have a break. And then when we come back, we'll hear the, the second part of Dwayne Suffolk's testimony. We'll be right back. Has the world gone crazy? International diplomats are frantically negotiating to try and stop ISIS, immigration and suicide bombers. But it often seems so futile. What are we missing? I'm Julian Archer, an author and international speaker, and I monitor world news trends. Things are getting crazy. My latest booklet, The History of Tomorrow, reveals the last 2,600 years through the eyes of kings, prophets, popes and presidents. It unveils a pattern in the timeline of history, and it exposes an event that will soon permanently alter the face of our planet. It takes less than an hour to read, but it could change the rest of your life. To receive your free electronic copy, email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. To order a print copy, phone 3ABN on 02 3456. Welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and I'm Etienne McClintock, your host. And today, Dwayne Suffolk is in the studios with us, sharing his life journey and how God has entered into his life. So, Dwayne, in the first part there, we've covered roughly about the first 16 or so years, up to 1997, and uh, your encounter with God through the prophecies and how that gave you a mindset which is a little bit different to just looking at the here and now and enjoying life as it goes, but actually thinking about eternity. And just thinking if you kept on doing what you were doing now, that might be only a short-term life, mm. and eternity might not be something that uh, would be part of your, your future. So maybe you can just give us uh, a little bit of a framework and unpack what happened subsequent to that and just help us understand you know, your life journey. From there, well, so I got this faith. I got this grounding from the prophecies. Mm. From, from this time onwards, I was studying the Bible. I was studying the prophecies with this Bible study group and... Well, I was getting an understanding of prophecy, mm. and I was gaining faith in the God of the Bible. Yes. But I wasn't really gaining an understanding of who God is and any other doctrines. Mm. It was just prophecy. And at this time, over the next, you know, say, four years it was, until I was baptized and I fell in love with God properly, there was this period where I was slowly being drawn from my old life to the mm. new life. And being young... Often you don't think about this much and you don't, you just, whatever goes, you just go with the flow. As much as sometimes there's a big struggle between one and the other, from the old to the new, there was a struggle subconsciously, you could say, and there was a struggle going between God and Satan, but I wasn't really entering into that struggle fully. Okay. So what I was doing is I was still learning about God, 
going to these Bible studies. But on the other hand, I was still building engines, uh, my own engines and race engines, spending thousands of dollars on things that are really unnecessary mm. and that was absorbing my time as well. I was still at my parents' place. So during this time, I had both positive and negative influences mm. and I was spending a lot of time with my friends who were non-Christian still, and which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I was allowing them to influence me. Yeah, I was still... Sure. I, I grew up near Nimbin, so Nimbin, that's the, you could say, the drug capital of Australia. Mm. So I grew up doing the things you do in Lismore if you, you know, drugs, whatever. Yeah. Don't need to explain it, but... Sure. You're doing dodgy stuff. Mm. On top of that, I was an engine builder. I thought I was going to build race engines for the rest of my life. I had a nitrous bottle sitting behind the passenger seat of my first car, which was a Ute, HJ Ute, which I'd built from the ground up. That's 150 horsepower extra on tap. Flick of a switch, you got it there. These sorts of things, I, I hadn't little regard for authority, didn't really care. I spent time going partying with friends, doing all those sorts of things that you do as when you're young mm. if you're not in the church yes, uh, or not, not committed to God. So I was still there getting... God was drawing me away from this old life into a new, but it took some time for this faith to build and, and, this, sure. and this commitment to God to build. Even mm. though I, I knew that there was, you know... I was held responsible for what I did. Mm. I didn't see these things as being anything wrong with them. I was never really convicted of um, my moral, or would you say my moral muscles weren't very mm. strong Okay. in any sense. I was young, dumb, and mm. partying, having fun. So over time, because I kept studying the prophecies and this put this fire in my heart mm. to follow God, there wasn't a necessary conviction for a big life change in any sense. Sure, because you felt you could do both. Yeah. Yeah. And so in doing this over the next few years, I you know, I slowly spent more time and more time in the Bible, but I was still spending a lot of time wasting money on cars. I pride myself away from the things like alcohol or the party scene. Mm. I would never really get drunk, but as the, the other stuff drugs and stuff sure but that that type of scene with those people that sort of influence which was not hugely detrimental but it wasn't god Hmm. so you were making some changes gradually in your life and that's one of the things that you put aside thought like well that can't really go with my christian experience i put the drugs aside yeah from there oh but i was still building race engines right so come about 20 years old i've got this tarana sitting in the garage with two turbos that i'm fitting and getting finished and these sorts of things were still in my life Mm. wasting my time what i found was as i just kept studying and studying the the, the mindset just naturally changed during this time i also had good influences i had a friend named toby he um stayed with my parents at our house and he was a good influence and he was very spiritual very i was gonna say religious but spiritual is the best word he followed god and he was a really good influence there then when i came to about 20 almost 20, I ended up getting baptised. The funny thing is, in my Bible studies, the guy giving me the Bible studies is giving me all this information, and I'm like, yes, okay. I was quite, I felt intimidated by this preacher, you could say, who's giving me all this information. And yeah. I, I'd given my life to Christ, hmm. but all this extra stuff that I was going through, I didn't really get. Okay. 
I'm doing Bible studies for my baptism and I just didn't comprehend it. Okay. So my mind was stuck in prophecy and that was it mm. at this time. But so, I, can you just remember some of the topics that may have been covered, you know, through these Bible studies? Not really, because okay. they were just, they, they would have been the standard um, Bible studies we give uh, people when they're sure. coming to know okay. God. I wasn't really taking it on. I didn't understand it fully myself. I was just okay. nodding my head, yes, yes, no, no. I didn't own it. Right. So I got baptized with no more real understanding other than that there's prophecy, Jesus is coming soon, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. So your sense of God's existence that is real, that he knows the end from the beginning, you know, that text in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, therefore faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That element of you was growing, yeah. but there were still some other elements that were let's say, what, lacking in a relationship with the Lord. Yeah, Hmm. just the basic foundation of what does a relationship with God look like, what does it entail, and Hmm. how do, what what should I, how do you grow spiritually? How do you grow in a relationship with God, allowing Him to lead you and to, what's my part in it? Sure. And what happened was I was naturally doing it, but without knowing it. Okay. I was naturally focusing on God fully because mm. of the prophecies that gave me such faith and trust in Him, and I was so amazed by it yeah. that I just kept focusing on Him and more and more and more and mm. pushing this other stuff apart aside. And to the point where He became my all in all. There was okay. nothing else for me to focus on. I was almost useless at work because all I could think of was God, and. Everything. So there was a gradual build, and it just kept on building and growing. So there was a gradual change in your life. Yes. You're giving up things, but now you're getting to the point where this is all absorbing to the point where you're actually not working as much now because this is just filling your mind with Yeah, and it was an amazing time in my life. It was great. I was about 21. But just prior to this happening, I must say that I was, I'd just moved from my parents' place into my own house. Okay. And this change was key to my spiritual journey. Only because I didn't understand what surroundings does and how it influences you. So naturally when you go to a, someone's house, it's like you find when um, sometimes siblings or someone isn't living with their family anymore and there'll be one sort of a person when they inter- in, interact with others and they might be respectable or you'll interact and talk a certain way. But as soon as you get back into your family unit, if you visit, say, one Christmas and you go to the family, there'll be all these ways that you talk and the ways you act that suddenly come rushing back and you naturally automatically become a different person almost in the way you relate to people or to Mm -hmm. your family compared to how you relate to someone else. When you come into a place that you've been brought up, there's all these influences and mindsets and the worldview that you have from when you're growing up that holds onto you while you're in this situation so say you're like a drug addict or a drunk say you can get away from the pub and stop drinking and get clean but if you walk back into the pub what's that going to do to you you're going to have all these old emotions Mm. old feelings that kind of come back in and push on you and push you to go oh man i just want to drink yeah so that's the importance of environment you're now bringing out and how that has an Mm. influence yeah so by going from my parents place and moving into my own house, I moved in there with four other guys who were from church and with Toby, this guy who's very mm. spiritual as well. This was key 
in helping me break from the old to the new. I was still working in building race engines and okay. whatever, but this was enough to make me go, okay, no more TV. So oh, I, really? The TV was core. We didn't have a TV in my new house. Okay. Uh, that was a blessing and a mm. half because otherwise I would have sat there and wasted time in front of it. Then I had little to focus on other than God. Okay. And this is what allowed me to have that time and intensify my relationship with God. Mm. And music, was, was music still prominent in your life at this time? You know, the, the rock? I'm glad you brought that up. One thing that happened as well coming to this point is the music was still there. One day, uh, ABC Bookshop, Advanced Bookshop, yeah. was up in Lismore at the church and they had the big store. And I ended up buying three CDs and they're all hymn makers. Okay. Big break. You know, I'd had cars with massive subwoofers and you mm. listen to Dwarf music, if you understand what that is, just techno music. And I went from that and I went and listened to hymn makers. Hymns? Yes, old school, That is a dramatic singing. shift. That was a dramatic shift. So how did you handle that? When did you enjoy it? Do you think, oh, this is a big departure from what I normally enjoy? Well, just naturally in my mind for some reason, because I was being spending time with God, I thought, oh, I want to get some God in music because mm. I had nothing up until then, yeah. none whatsoever. This is my f- first three albums or CDs I'd bought that was Christian. Yeah. And <laughs> so I shoved them into my um, player in the car and I'm listening to that and I'm listening to that at home. And that that shifted, that also helped me to break from the old to a new. Okay, interesting. And for those who are listening who think, wow, I've got to go and buy some old hymn music or yeah. something like that. It's All this came naturally because mm. of my relationship with God. All this stuff, just the, the life change, it's not like I wasn't giving up anything. Like I gave up a lot without even trying. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't giving it up. I, I got, you were finding new things which were better, basically. Yeah, I, I got over the old. no room for the other stuff that wasn't so good. Yeah, yeah. And, and my tastes were just naturally changing. Wow. And I started listening to this stuff. Mm. This is godly music, and it's some people might not be able to stomach the style, but there's plenty of other good Christian music out there. Sure. But the thing is, it helped me to break again from the old to the new to the new life, and mm. it was natural. Okay. It came totally natural. And you found joy in, and a delight in it. Yeah. Because you weren't doing it grumblingly and say, oh, I've got to give up the stuff I like and I'm going to do the stuff I don't like. You That's were now right. doing new stuff that you liked and the old stuff is the stuff that you stopped liking. It's, yes. Yeah. And, and that was, it was interesting. As funny as a youth when you don't really care about anything and whatever, you just focus on God and everything just came naturally. Mm. It was amazing. Sometimes we can struggle so hard against ourselves and real and think that we are got to overcome our sinful natures, but in reality, it's God who does it for us. Yes. And we just got to focus on him. Mm. There's a good story about that with Peter. When Jesus is walking on the water to a boat and Peter goes, oh, Lord, if, if it's you, um, call me out to walk on the water to you. Mm. And Peter hops out of the boat, and while he's focusing on Jesus, he's walking to the towards Jesus mm. on the water. Now, at this time... Water represented sin and the underworld and bad. And when you look at it symbolically, here we can see a story where Jesus is teaching us to look to him. We can walk on water and we don't sink into the mire of sin. Mm. And and Peter's just wandering along, looking at Jesus, and he's over it, the sin, and he's doing something supernatural. 
Yes. But the moment he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks to the wind and the waves and what's going on around him, he sinks into it. Yes, he does, yeah. And there's a real big lesson in that, that as soon as we look to our sin and Mm. worry about our sin and the the problems in our lives, rather than focusing on Jesus, Mm. we'll just sink, we'll just be stuck in it. Um, You might have heard the saying, monkey see, monkey do. Yes. Look to Jesus, you'll do what he does then. And he'll, he'll do all the rest and he'll supernaturally give you over the power to overcome yeah well he'll overcome in you yeah that's right well peter did the impossible no one can walk on water Mm. and when you look to jesus he did the impossible walked on water but when he got distracted and looked just at the secular and the circumstances around him that's when he sunk so i I like i like how you brought that out that's a a great lesson Mm. out of that story well that was my life this at this point Mm. about 21 and god was my all in all okay so this is now after you got baptized Yes. Yeah, it wasn't until after my, my baptism that I moved out of home. I bought the CDs and I broke free from the old influences, stopped watching TV and those sorts of things. And it allowed me to just focus on God. Mm. And every Saturday afternoon at this time, I'd go up to a lookout and I would sit down and read my Bible and pray and read my Bible and pray. And I'd, just, I'd barely turn a page before I'd pray again and I'd... Mm. I'd read through maybe half a half a page and I'd pray again. So God and, was talking to you through his word and you were talking back to God continually yeah. as well through prayer. Yeah, and, and this was a big shift for me to sit up and spend time with God. And mm. at this time, all I wanted to do was spend time with God. I had a girl that had moved into the church, uh, moved into the area and was going to church. Mm. She was a university student. And she complained, all you guys want to do is read the Bible. And I was just like, yeah, well, that's all we want to do. Yeah. We find this joy in it. I'm not focusing on do's and don'ts. I'm focusing on Christ. Yes. And one day I'm driving to work. This amazing thing happened. I'm driving along and I would naturally drive 10Ks over the speed limit because, well, I didn't want to hold anyone up. I was polite, <laughs> you know. Yeah, sure. That was my logic as, uh-huh. a, as a youth, a rev head. Mm. And... When someone pulled out in front of me then and went 10Ks under the speed limit, I'd be angry at them, yes. saying, how rude of mm. you. Every time, there used to be natural anger. One day, this Subaru pulled out in front of me as I'm driving to work in a 60 zone. I got angry because they pulled out pretty close and slowly, well, actually, I didn't get angry. I would normally get angry, sorry. Yeah. But this time, the emotion's just starting and then bang, this love of God fell on me like a ton of bricks. Mm. It was my initial reaction was like, you're such a show off. Which shows it wasn't it wasn't me, it was God. It was something yeah. supernatural. So you're referring to, to yourself as being the show off? No, God. Okay. Because but what you he, thought that. Yeah, I thought about I, yourself. I actually said it. And I said, You're such a show off. Because he's just done something to me to make me love this person. And it's like I was young and foolish mm. still, mm-hmm. even though I was in the word and I was quite an immature child and youth. My reaction was that because that's all that could come out because of this amazing thing that had happened mm. that God had done um, to overcome my anger. And as weird as it is, it may seem to some people, but it was, it was supernatural. It was of God. It was not mm. me. 
because why would I suddenly love this person who I would normally be angry at for going slow? Yeah, so that's a total flip of your natural instinct and natural emotions that would normally well up in you mm. to now go instead of getting angry or annoyed with the person, even hating them, you're actually now feeling exactly the opposite. You're feeling love towards yes. this person, a person you haven't even met. Yeah. Wow. And this is all God. Mm. God did this in me. He's the He gave me that this love, this desire to actually want the best for this person. Yes. And it was, it was, a, it was a sort of a shock to me. I'd never heard of that ever happening. Mm. I'd never expected it. I never, you know, it was just bang. It was just total overcoming of this carnal nature. So you didn't even know what this was on offer as far as the relationship no, with the Lord was concerned? No, I had no idea that this was on offer. So what we're going to do, listener, we're just going to go on a quick break. And when we come back, we can hear the, uh, the third part of your testimony in regards to what happened to your life where God enters into your life. And really, this can be nothing short of supernatural and changes your life. Not only that, your thoughts and your emotions are changed. So we look forward to you unpacking that when we come right back straight after this break. You're listening to the angelic sound of Carly Fletcher, just an average Australian woman who has chosen to use her musical talents to uplift her Lord and King, Jesus Christ. You matter to Him, you are His precious child, won't you realise that you really matter to Him? Carly's debut album, Follow the Lamb, features gentle acoustic guitar, piano and voice, rich in harmonies and accompanied by various instruments. It's gonna be worth it in the end. To purchase a copy of Follow the Lamb, with all proceeds going to 3ABN Australia, contact us on 02-4973-3456 today. We will follow. Welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony with Etienne McClintock and the testimony of Dwayne Suffolk. Now, Dwayne, just before the break, you were telling us about this incredible experience. You have a supernatural experience while driving to work yeah. and someone cutting you off and your normal natural instinct would be, this guy's going to slow me down. It's annoying. Why did he get in front of me? You probably want to pass him. Mm-hmm. But now God gives you another experience. So maybe uh, develop that for us a little bit further. So yeah, this experience was, was amazing for me and and the love of God. I actually wrote to read a text. Sure. First John five verse two. And and this sums up pretty much what happened to me or what you would expect. It says first John five verse two. By this we know that we love the children of God, whenever we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments do not weigh us down. Mm. Because everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world. And this is the conquering power that has conquered the world, our faith. When you have a look at that, you conquer the world by f- our faith. Mm. And I had this faith in God. It was, yeah. and, but it wasn't my trying to draw power from God or my, my trying to do anything. It was just my faith, my belief in God. It allowed me to trust in God so that God could overcome my sinful carnal nature. So that God could do the work in my heart that mm. I couldn't do myself. Because when we realize that how sinful and depraved we are as humanity, mm. as humans, we can realize that we need God. Yes. And I was very fortunate that I didn't really have to look at my need for God. I just fell in love with God because of this amazing 
truth that I'd learnt about him and the, the time I spent with him and um, that this relationship, this first love relationship was able to build and grow mm. without any real hindrance at all. I came to God and he gave me the, over, the, the love that overcomes yes. so that I could keep the commandments, as it says in verse 3, and his commandments don't weigh us down because it was just natural mm. because it was God doing it. Yeah. And over this time, it was amazing. Like just after that happened, I pulled up at the roundabout and I looked at another person, another car, and I just thought, I love you. I love that person. It's like if I was, if they cut me off, jumped out of the car with a bat and started beating into me, I would love them. It was Mm. so weird. Right. Because it was just so not natural. Yes. When you have a look at Jesus on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Mm. He had this love for them. And this love was revealed. And you go, oh, well, that was Jesus. But what about Stephen? Stephen, when he was being stoned, being killed, he said the same thing. He had this love for them. Stephen, if you don't know, was one of the um, early believers in the Acts um, church or the church that was um, growing after Jesus had died. This is about three and a half years after Jesus had died. Stephen was one of the guys that was elected to look after the finances and helping out people. Um, who were in need. And this guy, it says, um, had great faith and he ha- great miracles were being done by him. Yes. And he gets draw- dragged into the synagogue and he gives a testimony from God to say that you guys, you've always persecuted the God's elect hmm. and you killed Jesus. And so they go and kill him. So they go and kill Stephen. And, yeah, it's amazing that while Stephen is being stoned, he's able to say, God, forgive them. Like, how can you say that of someone who's trying to kill you or who's killing you? Yeah. That's an amazing thing. That is uh, something that's not natural to the human heart. You know, the Bible distinguishes God's love from our love, which is a self-sacrificing love. And the the Greek Mm. uses the word agape love. You know, in the Romans 5, verse 5 says that the love of God, the agape love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit which was given to us. So God mm. must have given you his spirit. He must have baptized mm. you with his Holy Spirit at that time to That's experience right. this love because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. But then God infuses that love, puts that in our hearts and our minds, which is really the principles of the commandments of God mm. embodied. Love to God and love to your fellow man. And I've already can tell just by you telling the story, your love for God was supreme. Mm. And now because of that connection with God and his love being in your heart, you're now loving everybody, your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, that's right. So a wonderful experience at the age of 21. Yeah, it was. It was quite an amazing experience. But the, the, there's a big downside that comes from... Let's go come into my story here. Okay. And the, the, this love was awesome. Mm. And I knew it. I was thinking about it going, this is not me. This is something that God's done. Yeah. And But the thing is, I was scared to tell it. Or not scared, but I... I didn't want to tell anyone because I would come across proud. Okay. And I'd never heard it hap- of it happening before. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just keep it to myself. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd never shared it. And for quite some time, I'm like, well, is this the right thing to share? Is this... I'd never been taught it before. Yes. And this is where there's a downfall of only focusing on the prophecy. 
I was mm. only focusing on the prophecy and I didn't get this because I hadn't really been taught what to expect or what God does in our lives yeah. and how we're to work in in our faith with God. Mm. And because I'd never been taught, it was never really taught either. Right. Uh, like in the you church. had no idea that this relationship, this incredible connection with God was on offer. Yeah. And, yeah. and when it happened, I then took it for granted as well because I'd never been told that this is the pinnacle of a relationship with God. This is mm. you in unison with the Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, able to do great works. But I didn't have a clue that, that I could or yeah, that yeah. I could work with God in in such a great measure mm-hmm. in this situation. So I took it for granted. Right. In my foolishness, uh, in my just young mind, mm-hmm. uh, uneducated mind, I just went, well, this is cool. Mm. And I spent time with God. Yeah. And I had this amazing relationship. I, I, when my brother, he, he got angry at me for something, I loved him. And just different things happened. And I, I just, there's amazing peace, amazing joy. And the connection with God was just awesome. Mm. And nothing else in the world mattered. It didn't matter what happened. Yeah. And I was just, I'm, I'm content. Mm. I can die, whatever, it doesn't matter. And at the same time when this happened, it was almost like Satan fled. It was like the temptations disappeared, which, which should happen because that's the love of God. There should yeah, be no yeah. temptation. So Satan was smart in this time. He sort of disappeared. But then he came sneakily um, in via a girl. Okay, so... so- how long did this experience of yours last? You know, this, this where you have the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace that comes from you know connection with God. I don't exactly know. Okay. Because I took it for granted. Okay. I wasn't like, I'm gonna mark this on my diary. <laughs> I was sure, just like, sure. wow, this is cool. Hmm. And I just went rolled on with the rest of what I'd done in my life, which hmm. was just blase. Whatever happens, whatever I feel like doing, and. So this I really took for granted. It's amazing. If this ever happens to you, listener, please don't take this for granted. It is the most amazing thing that can happen in your life. This is this is the pinnacle of Christianity or being a Christian. What happened was uh, there was a, a girl that had come back to church from, from many years past that hadn't been there for many years because they'd been overseas doing mission work. And when I saw her, whenever I looked at someone at this time, I saw their character who they were, not what they looked like. Mm. And this girl, because you're not judging by outward character, you're judging no. by love. Because um, yeah, you've got a discernment now, spiritual yes, discernment. Yeah. amazing discernment. And when this girl, she was beautiful, not physically, just her character. Mm. And I was taken back by it. And I've gone, wow, this girl is awesome. Mm. So I started spending time with her. But when you start spending time with someone, there's another relationship that can be neglected. Right. And I neglected my relationship with God by spending more and more time with this girl. So but a good person and a good thing sometimes, if it takes you away from the Lord, can work out to your absolutely. detriment. Absolutely. That's and a very good point to raise. worked yeah. out terribly to my detriment. Oh. So I ended up spending a bit of time with this girl. I ended up spending the Sabbath afternoons going for walks with this girl, rather than sitting up on the hill talking to God. I still had a good relationship with God and the Holy Spirit was still dwelling in me. Because the focus started to change, 
Satan had dangled a carrot in front of my nose and uh, I didn't know how to deal with it uh, because I didn't understand what I had at the time with God Yes, that it required continual Bible study and prayer and, mm-hmm. and, and keep maintain this connection. By having this girl there, it, it sidetracked me. It came to the point that I spent that much time with her and this was gradual again over a period of time, sure. over a certain amount of months. So I, st- I started to actually grieve the spirit, you could say. Mm-hmm. I started to turn from God and came to the point that one day I was at church and I was talking to this girl's mother and she had a low-cut top on. I had had no lust desires, mm. no no fleshly desires. This girl was beautiful in her heart and I was attracted to who she was in her character. Yes. But that took me away from God. Mm. And to this during this time, there was no lust of the flesh. And for those who aren't guys out there, most guys, they have the lust of the flesh. Yeah. And that's just... It's just inbuilt in this culture and it's mm. drilled into us with all the mess in the media. There were still some tracks in my brain sure. that had this um and God had transformed you by the renewing of your mind, but yes. the renewing needs to be fed constantly. The renewing needs to be fed and yeah. God can only bear with us so long until mm. we push him away. Because the flesh is always there, isn't the it? The flesh is always, we're always there. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as we stop relying on God, yeah. like Peter, he turned, mm. as soon as we stop Focusing on God, He can't do anything. He's He's not going to force us. Yeah, He's a gentleman. Mm. If If we don't want Him in, He'll go out. Yes. And this happened one day when I'm talking to this girl's mother at oh. church. I'm standing there, and it's like the muscles in the back of my neck were just cut, and my head fell down, and I looked straight down at her bust, and I was just like, "Whoa, what happened?" This is just weird. This is freaky. Yeah. I'm not used. This just doesn't happen. So this is not just an accidental glimpse. This no, is like it was just you... like God's just gone. I'm showing you again now what happens when because I didn't understand the yeah. transition. He's gone. Well, he's a transition. Boom. Here I am. So you might understand. So you might know that I'm here. Mm. And again, when he's gone away, he's gone. Boom. Because I didn't understand. He's gone. Or oh, now I'm gone. And. Yeah, I looked up startled at this lady. I'm like, well, what just happened? And she looked funny back at me. And from so you were both uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm just like, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. And she's, I think she thought I was judging her as well because mm. I don't think she ever wore a low-cut top since then. But um, right. <laughs> it, it, was, it was amazing that God's gone, have your old self back. And after that, I was trying to understand what had happened. Still young, I didn't really want to try and dig or ask anyone. I yeah. just kept it all to myself. I then started to try to not sin. I wanted the old self back. Right. But subconsciously, so you'd lost something and you I'd lost it something back. and I wanted it back. Yeah. And I naturally, subconsciously tried not to sin and not to do the things wrong and to try and take charge of myself. Mm. And this led to a roller coaster ride of years following this where. I'd come close to God and then gone away from God, come close to God and gone away from God. For the next eight years or seven years, I was just in a wreck, not in a wreck physically or emotionally, yeah. spiritually. I was just going up and down, up and down and mm. gradually going down. I got married, went to Sydney. And through this time, amazing things happened. Mm. But there was this emptiness that I was trying to fill with the world again. 
and it was terrible. When I look back at it, it was one of the worst times of my life. I, you don't realise at the time, and you do all sorts of stupid things. And I went through, I won't go into any of it really, but sure. you, you can imagine that the life before I'd come to God mm. was actually nearly better than what this time was after coming right. to this guy, this amazing experience with God. It's amazing that what God can do in our lives, but if we have this lack of understanding and lack of mentors, we can just follow, fall by the wayside. Mm. But it wasn't until uh, 2008 when I came back and went back to the same house that I was in with those friends from church that something happened. My first daughter was born and the switch came where I realised that what am I doing here? I'm like in the wilderness, spiritual wilderness. I needed to come back to God and I realised and I called out to God. I cried out in my despair, realising my own sinfulness and selfishness that God was there and he drew me to him and he kept drawing me and drawing me. He came to the point in 2013 where I was going to go for a job and I couldn't do it. And I ended up instead going, I couldn't bring myself to do it because God was drawing me. And he said, no, you're not going to go to get, do it, get a job. You're coming to do Arise. So that was late 2012. Right. And Arise is a Bible school mm. up at Kingscliff. I've been spending some time with some friends praying and praying and praying during 2012. And we've been praying for people to help with ministry and for the church and for other people to become believers and things like that. This prayer and connection with God again it came to the point where God grabbed me and said look no more no more working I want you to work for me so I went to Arise that was three months we stayed there in the car park in our bus with my wife three children at the time and yeah did that and then made a little bit of money just to get by and God drew me again and said look come be a Bible worker. Hmm. The door opened for that, and I was stayed in Mwollambar for three months. We lived in a bus in the church car park in Mwollambar okay. for the next three months at the end of the year, working around Bray Park in that area as a Bible worker. That's where God has just pulled me and drawn me. But now I came to the point there where doors seemed to close, and a door opened here at Avondale for hmm. me to come and do ministry and theology. And I came here and I know I'm in God's hands and God has given me peace and he has given me an understanding and he's given me a purpose here for the now mm. until I finish theology. And I'm just waiting for him to call me to go, okay, I want you here now. It's amazing how God will forgive and will draw mm. us back if we'll just call out to God and turn our life back over to him. Yeah. God's amazing grace is really amazing. Yeah. Mm. Now here I am, spending time with God, growing that faith, drawing nearer to him. Mm. I still have those time, up and down times. Yeah. Nothing like, like it's, it's like this trajectory going up and up and up continually. Mm. Oh, praise the Lord. And no, I haven't had that experience like I did when I was 21, that great Bang. Sure. You probably had more time to spend in prayer and study there than you do now with yeah. wife, four children, yep. studies at Avondale. But I think what that happened back then mm. was God was showing me something because I didn't know, I didn't realize what was happening. Yeah. And now that I realize what happened then, I'm free to speak out now and say, God 
when he says that his um, love will overcome ours and that he will transform our lives, mm. that is true. And that is, he his promises are sure and that this will actually happen when you put your life in his hands. He will overcome your sinful nature and he will give you victory over sin. Now I can see that. I think God gave it to me in a boom. Here yes. I am. Yeah. Because I was so hard-headed and didn't understand. Um, but now he doesn't need to. Sure. He, he gives me, he's giving me victory over sin continually, but not with this in your face thing. Because mm. now I understand. I get it. Right. And Well, praise the Lord. That's a, that's a fantastic journey that you've just shared with us. Is there anything you just want to say in, in closing, Dwayne? Yeah. The, the main thing I would like to encourage anyone out there who is seeking God, who is coming into the faith and who is on fire for God, if you have this burning in your heart to spend time with God, don't quench your spirit. Just spend time with God. Mm. Just go prayer, study, prayer, study. And, you go, and maybe you're going, well, I want to do something. What do I do? Just keep praying and keep your eyes focused on Christ mm. and he will open doors for you. Another thing is when you're in this position and when you're seeking God and you don't necessarily know everything, you're young in faith, find someone who has been there. So find someone who is been the faith for many years who has had these experiences who has the knowledge required the steps to Christ you could say how to maintain your relationship and stay strong in, in your faith mm. find someone like that that you can talk to about these things don't do it alone I did it alone yeah. and I fell because I didn't have someone to back me up yes I didn't understand. I didn't talk about the things because it was just, I don't know, didn't, I didn't do it in my family. We didn't talk about spiritual things in my family. Mm, that's why coming together and, and, and community and church is so important now where you've got old and yep. young working together, the older ones who've maybe gone through the experiences, they can sort of be a guide and you know a counsellor of some sorts with the Spirit of God working through them to encourage the young people with that on fire experience yeah. that they have. And also that's treasuring right. it, you know, because... Yep. We might think, oh, this is just how it happens with everybody, but it might be a very unique experience between you and God. Please, yeah, just find someone to talk to and talk to others about it. Don't hide it. Yes. If I'd have talked to other people about it, then they could have talked to me about their experiences and we could have supported each other. Yeah, we're not to go alone in this uh, hour of walk. Right. Yeah. That's, if that any experience, uh, any advice I can give, that's the strongest advice, the best advice I can give. Don't mm -hmm. go it alone. Yeah, spend time in Bible study with your friends and... You'll yeah. be good. Great. Thank you very much, Dwayne. You have been listening to by the word of their testimony, and we have listened to the testimony of Dwayne Suffolk. If you have any questions or would like more information about today's program, you can contact us at 3AB in Australia Radio. You can ring us in Australia by phoning 02-4973-3456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to catching up with you next time. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.